Hello and welcome to Untapped Magic. I'm Kat Northill. This podcast is all about having the conversations you'd have around the dinner table and asking how it is that successful individuals got to where they are today. This podcast aims to help you untap your magic within. The incredible man I chat with today is a paramedic, a cancer survivor, a youth mentor, and so much more, the wonderful John Summers. Oh, hey, thank you very much, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I've been so excited to sit down and have a chat with you. Yeah, I know. We've been trying to organise it over the last couple of weeks, but we managed to get there in the end. We're here. (laughs) That's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. Now, I start every podcast by asking the same question, and that is what has had the greatest impact on where you are today? Greatest impact. I think uh, one of the biggest things that has really made a difference for me is, I guess, the realisation that if any change is going to happen, it's up to me. And it was just around that time that I, I'd read a book uh, by Napoleon Hill. You may know it, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, that, was pretty much the, that was pretty much the first book. Well, I guess that self-development book that I'd read. And, and from that book, God, I've devoured some information and uh, there's so much information out there and sort of followed that up with Richard Branson, which is, uh, I love his thing, is just saying, yes, worry about the rest later. And I tell you what, that's, um, I guess that's how I've done things. It's allowed me to travel. I've I've met so many different people Um, and yourself as well. It got me into the youth. I just went, oh, well, let's let's just do it. And... uh, uh, I was petrified going into the lion's den with all you guys the first time a few <laughs> years ago, but uh, but that was fantastic. I think I learned more from you guys than um, than not. But I guess to put put or to point at one thing that really made a difference was that book, that Napoleon Hill thing can grow rich. It really changed my mindset. There was no one else to blame but me for where I was, where I was, where I was going, where I'd been. Uh, and it was entirely up to me to make some different choices and, and, um, and see what happens. Books are so much of a first point of call for a lot of people. And I would love from you talk about that impact and that change then. I would love to flip back to, you know, what a lot of people don't know about you and what I didn't know about you is professional rugby. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I, I guess you could say I was a club professional. I, I've got to, I got to go and play in France, uh, played in the Southwest, and that was interesting. Uh, early 20s and uh, flying to France because I was, I was classed as a local player. I had a, I've got a British passport through my father. And uh, yeah, geez, I tell you what, that's where I learned my craft with the rugby and uh, they were pretty hard and tough over there. And I got to play in England and, and travel and uh, it's funny, I've actually just reconnected with a heap of guys I played rugby with and, and we sit there and chat and talk about our old war stories and, God, we think about it, it's, it's 20 years ago now that we were all just bashing around on the, on the rugby field and, and going out for a few beers and just, just being young fellas. Um, <laughs> so that, that's, that, that, that's, been a lot of, that's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, I was pretty lucky. Passions, which is... Which is which is travel and rugby. So a bit of a blessing. 
Yeah, that was something I was going to say was, you know, was that the start of your love of travel was being able to travel for your craft? Yeah, I think, uh, God, geez, that was funny. I guess it was really the first time I'd, I'd been on a, a big trip myself. Just pretty much jumping on a plane and going to, uh, flying to, um, through Heathrow, over to Lons-le-Saunier, which is uh, just into Lyon. And I got picked up by the president of the rugby club. And, and I didn't realize that on the, on the freeways over there, like the speed limit's like 130, or for him, there was no speed limit. So um, <laughs> that was a pretty scary, <laughs> scary first ride. But uh, that was a good, se- good fun season. I'm, I'm still good friends with, uh, with a couple of the other Kiwis that played there. So... It, I, I guess I've made some really good mates in that uh, in that area area, and then I just I think that probably lit the fire for my passion of travel. I just got to see some different places and going around France and just seeing how old some of the places are. And you got Australia, who's a couple of hundred years old, and then you you're walking into churches, which is like a thousand seven hundred, eight hundred years old, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. So yeah, and I've been most places around the world now, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. It, it's funny whenever you think about that the modern Australia and the structures in Australia, even the oldest ones, don't even, people live in houses older than that all across the globe. So it's very funny that, you know, you speak that you're correct. And that's something that's really interesting about travel. And I- Aboriginals though, down here, they've been, they were one of the oldest, oldest peoples. So uh, I guess I guess we've been around for a couple of hundred years, us, us whites or us, uh, us immigrants, I guess. It's a, it's a wild, wonderful world of loving getting around and travelling. Yeah, you're right. Modern Australia is only a couple of hundred years old, but it's one of the oldest living countries and, and still has living ancestors now, which is inc- we're incredibly fortunate to be able to live in, live in a time where that's a part of that. And you mentioned, you touched on that, you were just young fellas out on the field. The John Summers I know is such an incredible advocate for young males. And I'd love to touch on why it is and, and how it has come to be that, that Big John, as you're affectionately known, is such a strong advocate for young men. That one was interesting. I think I've always uh, enjoyed being a part of a team and... Um, uh, basically setting a standard. The youth aspect, it really came into fruition about 2016 when I went to the Tony Robbins Leadership Academy. And that's where I met a trainer, an Aussie trainer. And, um, and I guess that first day, they were saying, they were talking about that pain, that anxiety, that tense, that stress that you feel. And it's this gap, this difference between where you're living and, and where you're aspiring to be. And uh, I think that realisation, because I think back and where I was and where I aspired to be, they weren't marrying up. It wasn't, it wasn't balanced. And I think when I'd realised that, oh, I've got to work with youth, and I start creating that picture of the person that I would have wanted as a role model, um, as, a, as a young man, as a teenager. And 
they just didn't meet when when um, we were talking about that gap, and uh, that hit me pretty hard when I realised that there was that gap, and I'm like, wow, okay, and I guess that set me off on my way to bridge that gap, breach that gap, and uh, become that example that I would have wanted, and I guess, I guess just going to these events and um, meeting the people that I've met. As soon as I made that decision that the youth was where it was at for me, and I said that was the end of 216, I just started to meet people. I literally just started to meet, I met the person who, Sharon, who runs the Magic Moments. And then at Magic Moments, I meet the person running GYLS, who's in San Diego. And again, we come back to the Richard Branson, quote of just saying yes and she said oh do you want to come to san diego we need someone in san diego next like next fortnight and i just went yes and i had to work out the rest later but obviously thinking about where i needed to go i believe that for me leading by example um no matter what that example is living a life full of values full of following your values truth honesty and if you can set the standard and be there for people, I think that's one of the most important parts of, of growing up is, is those connections with, um, with strong role models as, you, as you're growing up. Um, everyone's getting busier, wherever they come from, actually, because everyone is getting busier. You've got kids who are busy. You've got, you've got family who's busy. They're, they're trying to provide. They're trying to work and even, even in these tough times, uh, everyone's doing the best that they can. And I guess for me, if I can offer some sort of support in some way, then I've done my job. You've done more than your job, I would say. And I just <laughs> want to put it out there and say, I am so thankful that, well, that I've got to know you, but also that you spoke to that one person and you've become your passion because you can really see, and one thing I love about you is you can see your passion in your eyes and in your face and, and everything like that. And I've never not seen you passionate about young people. That's why I'm so thankful to be able to have this conversation with you today because I think you're such a strong advocate and more young people, and especially more young males, need to have a male role model like you. Well, Kat, I really appreciate those kind, wor kind words. <laughs> Very humbled indeed. When I think about the times, the conversations I've had with you and, you know, we, speak, we spoke about magic moments and that's, that's where I met you. And I remember the first conversation we had was you sat at the end of my dinner table and I remember I've never seen a plate of food like it. And that's when you opened up the Euro Vegan. And I'd love for you to touch base on being a vegan, being a male vegan, being, you know, what it's like and, and how it is in society now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a, it's an interesting decision and an interesting choice. So if I go, there are definitely a lot of animals who are very glad that I'm not eating them now because, believe it or not, I could eat a lot of food in uh, <laughs> a short period of time. I guess the, the vegan thing, the uh, I like to call it plant-based, plant-based eating. For me, I was actually flying back from Europe with my family, our first big family trip in a, in, a, in a while. And I was on the plane 
watching Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy for me was a big change because I watched, there was actually a point in there where, the, where you're seeing the conveyor belts at the chicken farms and the little yellow, cute little yellow chicks uh, are on the conveyor belts. There's actually people on the conveyor belts consciously picking out the male chicks, just sending them down another way to their, to their death, basically. So for me, <laughs> that, was a, that was a big aha moment. I went, you know what? I think we can do better. And I, I guess I'm only a small part of the world, but uh, I decided to, I set myself a year and I did a year. And then uh, I, I guess after, even after a couple of weeks, I realized, I realized how I was feeling. I was feeling better. For me, it is a way of life now. It's a, it's a habit that I've, that I've, that I've formed and I, and I find, it, find it very easy. Now, changing my own beliefs around being able to build muscle or thinking the gym was necessary or thinking you needed a, a certain amount of protein. And uh, I think what started me down this road to really look into the realities of, of health instead of just getting massive and... And, and putting on, um, hitting the weights and stuff like that, it's looking at health and well-being, I started probably from my cancer in 2011. From then, again, that comes back to that gap. I realised that I hadn't been treating myself very kindly. And I guess my eating habits, my training habits, you could liken it to abuse if you wanted to. But I started making some big changes and... I guess I, I didn't know where I was going with it, but what I did know was I needed to make some changes. And I remember the first, the first book I read after that was the, the blood type diet. So I guess from then I've, I've made hundreds of changes, but I guess from that change, I realized I went, right, there's some foods that actually don't agree with me. And now I know this is what they do if I eat them. So I became a little more mindful of that. And then I moved on to through things like the Atkins and the keto aspect and um, just eating greens and then the intermittent fasting, which is a, which is a massive part of my, my health regime. Now the plant-based thing, it's a piece of my puzzle. I think the intermittent fasting, it's a piece to piece to the puzzle as well. I guess that it all comes back to trying to maintain, well, be here as long as we can. I'd love to live to 120. Imagine that. It's, um, it's just all about being, and even my ways now about training, it's all about flexibility and maintenance and, and a good strong heart and good digestion, healing quickly, my immune system, energy. Like I, I still do shift work um, on the ambulance and being able to recover. Yeah, so many factors to consider, but I do realise that the plant-based decision Absolutely. And this is a, pardon the pun, it was honestly a game changer when it came to just digestion and how I felt. And I remember when I first had that conversation with you, when I was, I think I was a month off 18 and it really opened my eyes because I grew up in a very meat eating family. They still are. And it made me really aware that, you know, there's so many times we're fed with yeah, conspiracy really that to be a big, strong man, you have to eat meat. And I think that's totally incorrect. And, and you're very much the, the proving point to that. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that for me, 
and to be talking about the blood type diet and stuff like that, for me, being conscious of what I put in my body is so important to me. And I think that's what we really need to start being aware of is go, okay, is what I'm putting in my body going to work for me? That's exactly what you do. And I think that's really important. Kat, I think it's, I think it's really important that I do mention I'm not against eating meat and maybe in the future I may well do. Uh, what I am against is we are eating way, 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 way too much for our bodies to be able to cope. And, and shown in heart disease, diabetes, obesity, the education when it comes to food and eating, um, our environment is suffering because of the fact that people think they need to eat this quantity of, of protein, inverted commas. So, yeah, just make that, that for sure. That I'm not against eating meat, but I, I think we really need to um, be mindful of how much we're eating. And um, I think we'll go a long way. We'll make some massive changes environmentally and personally. Yeah, exactly. It's not about, you know, becoming a vegan tomorrow or anything like that, but it's about being aware of, you know, how much of anything you're consuming I would, you mentioned in that about being a paramedic and being in the ambulance. I would love to talk about how you've made the big career moves from, you know, you were in rugby and then you're an electrician, both on and offshore. And then now you're a paramedic. What has been your taking away from having those career changes and doing stuff that's so vastly different? Well, I think, um, I, I guess you go back to, I think a lot of, a lot of the, the kids that I've, or a lot of the teens that I've spoken to as well, like everyone thinks they need to fixate on one thing from school. The school, you have to decide that where you're going and what you're doing. And I think I'm, I'm an example of the fact that you just, you just have to go with the flow. And, and if you find something you enjoy, maybe roll with it for a bit. If you find something you don't enjoy, maybe do that a lot less or don't do it at all. So if I go back to when I, uh, when I finished school, I actually went to university. So it was a Bachelor of Science. And three months in, first term, I realised I, I actually went home, sat the parents down and I said, hey, um, if I stay at this university gig, this is going to cost a fortune. I was just, it was just the freedom and uh, living on my own, it was all way too much at a, at a young age. And I realized that and I said, right, dad goes, what are you going to do? And I went, I'm going to find an apprenticeship. So I found an apprenticeship and that's where the electrical thing come in. I deferred my university. So then the electrical, I did the trade and then off I go playing rugby. But I was lucky enough to go and work in New Zealand as well as an electrician um, on the boats. And then I followed the rugby overseas. Didn't really do much with the electrician, electrical there. And made my way back to Australia in Western, Western Australia, where I got to play some rugby for a club over there. And I got my first gig to go offshore. Yeah, ended up meeting a heap of great guys. And, and, and then while I was in WA, I'd always wanted to, I, I think I'd always had this affinity to go to the health area or health sector because mum mum was a nurse she's always been a nurse she's she's run hospitals at her core she's a nurse 
And, uh, but for me, the nurse didn't really, I don't know, I wouldn't say excite me. It just wasn't the route that I wanted to take. And then while I was in the UK, I actually came across the paramedics. I went, huh, that might be interesting. And anyway, I was going to do it in the UK, but I ended up moving to Australia. And just so it happens, as soon as I landed in Western Australia, they were looking for paramedics. And I just went, wow, all right, this is serendipity. I just uh, started, um, started off down that trail and uh, I did my stat test for the, uni- for the university as a mature age. Uh, I was still working offshore off and on on a few jobs as an electrician. And then, yeah, I started my studies and it was, it was full-time study and full-time work uh, on the ambulance. So yeah, trial by fire. And I've been lucky enough to, I guess, through the connections that I've made through my life, be able to actually go back. So at about my 10 year mark with um, the ambulance, I called up a mate and ended up going back offshore again in the electrical as a bit of a, as a, bit of a break. And uh, I'm, back, I'm, I'm back on the ambulance now and I'm really enjoying getting around uh, and doing the events with the youth have become a really big passion, a big part of my life now. Um, I'm forever looking for different avenues to help out. If anything, just running a Zoom call or just uh, just chatting through even something as simple as um, getting specific on your goals. It's, it's just, it all helps me um, be better. And um, well, I do hope that uh, it actually helps them, <laughs> them as well. But yeah, I've pretty much just uh, followed the things that I've, I've really enjoyed. I've done some stuff I, I haven't enjoyed. And yes, you do have to sort of go through that, I believe. And you have to realize that, okay, you have to know what you don't like to really enjoy what you do like. I've, I've been able to coach adults and I've coached kids and it definitely comes back to it. I really enjoy spending time with young people. Their creativity and energy is uh, infectious. <laughs> and you're right in the sense that, you know, you need to do what is right for you at that time, whether that was for you being an electrician or playing rugby or, or travelling or, you know, involved in the youth space. You need to follow what ignites the fire within you at that time. I think it was one of the, one of the good, thing is, good things I learned, I have learned, is not to make it right or wrong. It just is. You just roll with it and you go, you know what? I didn't really, really like that. And, and that has to be okay. But then it gives you an opportunity to look for the next thing. Another, another, another turn right, another turn left. Maybe you have to go straight for a little, little longer. Maybe you, have to, maybe you have to learn a little more before you can actually proceed. So, It's something I've learned in my not very many years on this planet, but I think especially young people are so pushed to, okay, go to uni and study this. And then when they get out of high school, what a lot of young people don't realise is that you have to completely reinvent yourself. And so many things will change. So maybe what you study at uni or what you think you want to do when you get out of may not be the end goal in six months, a year, two years, three years. So yeah, you're so right in it. Careers change, passions change, and you just got to roll with the punches. One of my, well, I guess I've had a lot of big lessons, but 
I guess uh, Tony Robbins says it where modeling is so important. And uh, if I want to do something, then I, I look for people to put myself around that's going to either make that easier or, or they're going to show me how, how it can be done. So I guess it came back to deciding who to hang around with, who not to hang around with, probably more importantly, and um, what, I do, what I do with my time and who I spend that with as well. That's been a huge factor for me. And in that, I would love for you to reflect on all the incredible things you've learned over the years and think back to what you would say to, you know, your, your 16-year-old self. What would you say to young John? Wow, 16 years old. 16 years old. I remember I broke my, broke my ankle that year. I was a big <laughs> boy. Anyway, um, <laughs> what would I say? I think for me, just to go for it. It's, it's three simple words and I guess if you, if you have a look at some of the things that, that I've been doing and maybe back when I was 16, I thought I couldn't do the Rubik's Cube. I thought I couldn't juggle. I thought I couldn't do all those little things. And it's funny, like the last couple of years, I've just gone, you know what, hang on. I've got all these resources that thing. You've got, you got Google and you've got YouTube and all that. And whilst I, I can honestly say I haven't completed the, 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 without sort of learning the Rubik's, I'm, I'm doing it now. I'm juggling now. I'm playing the drums now. It's all these little things. I would just say, go for it. If there's something that you want to do, and I do have to say that with regards to the musical instrument, I tried the guitar. It just wasn't for me. I tried the piano. It was a long-suffering piano player. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even call myself a piano player. I bashed those keys. It could hardly fit my fingers in the keys. But... Uh, <laughs> And, and here I am a few years on in playing the drums and it was just an off chance. I run back into my teacher and, and I had one lesson left and I said, hey, I've been thinking about the drums and he's first and foremost a drum teacher. So he said, come and do, come and do a lesson, that lesson. And I went and had that lesson and he says, John, you never smiled like that while you were playing the guitar or the piano. And that is nothing against those instruments. But I've, I've really enjoyed, just, and it's not even risk, it's just taking a chance and going, oh, well, maybe, maybe I might muck it up. Maybe I mightn't be able to, uh, to do it. But I tell you what, I'm going to give it a good try and uh, a good go and I'm just going to move on. So I think to my 16-year-old, I'd just say go for it. Uh, if you wanted to, I was thinking back then, like I did my apprenticeship outside of school. I've, had, I've thought since way back then that I would have liked to do the defense force as well. So potentially that may have been where I would have done my trade. If I go back, I go, hmm, maybe, maybe that would have been a good place to start. I would have liked to go to the air force. So I think there's a, the only boundaries we place on ourselves. The only limits that we place are the ones we place on ourselves. I think I did that to myself back then. And, uh, I think by being kinder to myself and allowing myself to trip up, to fall over, to get back up, dust myself off, have a bit of a chuckle and then move forward. I think that, and I, in saying that, I've had a pretty amazing life too. So I haven't done too badly at all. And 
even to say that it could make your life even better, then yeah. But that's what I would say. I would say go for it. I think you're right. Go for it. It's so important. I think it's also so important. Something you touched on is that, you know, do what makes you smile and do what makes you happy. And, and especially as a young person, there's so many things that when you're in high school, like, Oh, that's really lame. And they're actually really cool. Because you touched on playing the drums and juggling and, and Ruby's kids and stuff like that. And, and I love that there's some of the avenues that you've gone down in the last couple of years of, of fun little things. Yeah, well, it's just all possible. Like, I realised that I could do it. There's actually so, there's plenty of videos out there. I went, oh, I could, oh, that's how it's done. And then I just started doing it and I'm like, oh, that's fun. All right. So, next, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Always, you're always on the pulse and ready for letting the universe show you whatever's going to happen. And through that, I'd like for you, as you, you touched on before about 2011 and and having cancer. What was that like when you found out that you had cancer? I was one of the lucky ones. I, I think I didn't get a chance to really spend much time in that space, purely for the fact that I was lucky enough to see my doctor. I was, and I guess maybe it's through my medical knowledge, but being a bloke, I still put it off getting to the doctor. I still put up with the pain. I still, which was silly. I really, it could have been really nasty, but, um, and not saying it wasn't. I ended up seeing the doctor and seeing seeing the ultrasound and getting to my specialist. And basically within a week, I've gone from seeing my doctor being diagnosed and, and basically on the operating table. Wow. And then just laid up, laid up, sitting on the couch for the next couple of weeks. Um, so I really didn't have a chance to uh, let it set in. And I will say that I really didn't give it a chance as well. So my, my choice was, they go, all right, you've got this. And basically, and I said, well, let's get it out. It's all about, it was all about just, all right, what's the next step? Let's get it out. I wasn't thinking I was losing something. I wasn't thinking, if anything, I was gaining an extended life. For me, I remained relatively positive through the whole through the whole thing. Walked with a limp for a little while. No, it was a pretty sore sore operation. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but for me, I I I acknowledged where I was at, what I was what I was what I was being told, and it just came back to just taking action. Uh, the doctors, I was very lucky, even, even seeing the oncologist. I do remember that even my urologist and my uh, oncologist, they really didn't mention cancer right through the whole thing. It was like I went to see my urologist and he goes, right, well, let's, let's get that out of here, will you? Yeah, I went, yeah, magic. All right, let's do it. And even then, he said, even then later on, he said, you have to see my mate, which was the oncologist. So... It was quite. It was quite personal. They were great doctors. So my experience in that, I spent the next five, six years having tests and follow-up tests. I was very lucky to skip the chemo and radiotherapy, purely because my doctor said he said, "I think you're healthy. I think you're you're well. I I, I really believe we got it all. Still here. Still very grateful." so many lessons in that and just being able to pivot and just and just 
go for it, I guess, just to just follow, follow your dream. And, um, and it propelled me. I think I've been able to help a lot of people. It, it's, um, it's even helped us in our, in our journey right now with our, with our infertility man. <laughs> again, it just, again, it just comes back to, I guess, just being able to help out and um, see if we can get some positive out of, out of uh, a, a tough situation, a challenging situation. The power of positivity is so important when you're in these really hard and stressful and often extremely emotional points in your life. And you touched on Infertility Man, which I love to watch all your stories about it and, and your posts and stuff like that because it's so important that we have a conversation about infertility whether that's in, in all ages, so that there is more knowledge and with more knowledge comes less stigma. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that was, I think what we found was because of, for us, it's male factor infertility. So poor Laura signed up with me and, and she's, she's had to go through all the trials of the IVF route. But uh, I guess for us, we've been able to share from a male's perspective because we realized can't have enough support uh and and i guess you want to make the the issue less well remove the stigma around it and uh, be a lot more open will help people in conversation it'll help people support those going through it uh it can be a very isolating and challenging time thought well maybe we can put a more positive spin whilst it's tough we're not saying it's not potentially maybe we can offer a place a safe place where people can air their challenges and obviously through experience and through the group or groups or through people online social media that they, they can all help each other and just be there to um, listen and um, show compassion you have 100% I think achieved all of those things and I think both you and Laura should pat yourselves on the back for that because you know I I know so many people that have gone through IVF or gone through infertility or or have had those sort of struggles and they haven't known who they can talk to it about people have just gone oh well get over it you guys are opening the floor to to comments and opening the floor to to having those conversations that are really hard and showing what it's like to go in for visits, all those incredible stages and cycles. And, and importantly, John, how to be a supportive partner too. Mm, yeah. I think the support is the big factor because uh, it's, it makes things a little challenging for me. Whilst I still have to have a couple of procedures, it's only a couple of procedures. My poor Laura, she's, she's had to, She's had to get in the trenches about 15 times for her retrievals. I just, it just astounds me every, each and every time where she just gets back up and she goes, right, this needs to happen and this needs to happen and this needs to happen. There is no keeping it down. So I'm extremely grateful for her and her peace. Well, she's doing the majority of the work. All I get to do is to stab her with a needle most days <laughs> <laughs> poor thing spoke earlier about you being a really strong advocate for young for young males but 
I think you also, you're so nurturing to women and I've loved publicly seeing that side of you come out with infertility man and, and really showing to the world how a partner can be for another partner. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not staged, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell, we can tell. We've, uh, we've, uh, we've, spent a lot of, we've spent a lot of time talking about what to put out and, and how open we should be and how vulnerable we should be, I guess. That's the big one. And as guys, we, we normally close ourselves down and close ourselves off to potential for hurt or really we close ourselves off to actually really listen to what is going on. And I would, I would like to think, I, 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 hope we're, I hope we're sort of touching people all throughout the world and maybe making a little bit of a difference. For us, it's given us, given us the opportunity to, I, just give, I guess, give back. We're not, we're not guaranteed the outcome, but what we have done is we've maintained an, uh, a strong belief that, that we are going to have our little ones. I think that that's what keeps us on our... Oh, wow, where's that come from? Anyway, the allergies are bad over here, Kat. <laughs> I think we've become stronger through this and, and by helping other people, it's actually given us a little bit of a... Uh, a different focus and a bit of a change of change of pace and a change of tack. I guess sometimes our most challenging times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from all that I've known from my mom and from other family members and stuff like that, the, some of the hardest periods in life is the the trying to conceive time. And I think more and more people need to to speak about it, so that there is that space for openness. There is that space for conversation. And there is that space to go, you know, there's going to be lows, there's going to be highs, but ultimately we'll all get through this. Yeah, I think, I think for us just um, keeping our focus on, our laser point focus on, on it, it will happen. We just, it sort of irons out the bumps uh, and there's definitely bumps. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. bumps, small bumps, mm-hmm. little bumps. Medium bumps. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And it's a thing that, especially in an online presence, a lot of people in all, in, in everything, and a lot of influencers will skip over those bumps and those hardships and, and not share those things and only share the happy side of it. So I love that you guys are, are not doing that. You're, you're showing the highs and the lows and, and everything in between. Well, I'm, glad we're, I'm glad we're making some noise out there. I read something today, actually, that is a direct quote from you, and it is that persistence is the ability to overcome all obstacles between me and my goals. What that means for you? I think for me, persistence is a really important word. It's it's allowed me to just, uh, I guess, be where I am, but uh, not just not just stop at the first hurdle. It comes back to the if you're using our infertility as well. Like I could have, I, I did believe that I couldn't have kids. When, when the cancer came, I guess meeting Laura just, well, she asked me, because I told her I couldn't have kids, and she said, well, is that true? And so that just set me off on another, I, I started looking into different ways and means. And, and I tell you, there's, there's a whole world out there of stuff that can give you possibilities. So I guess 
persistence is the word that's really just consistently come up in my life. No matter how big or small the goal is, uh, it's kept me in the game. It's, it's, it's given me energy. It's, it's fueled me to push forward. And um, whilst yep, you'll always set a goal and maybe it's going to change or maybe it's going to, you, you can adapt and you realise, oh, well, maybe that wasn't really what I was looking for. But then I guess through some lessons, you work out what's fired you and what, what didn't really inspire you. And then you can actually move on and maybe even create another goal. So I guess it comes back to the persistence thing for me is just, it just keeps coming up when you have a look at uh, even doing my degree, finishing my paramedics, um, even playing the rugby, the training, just the, the cancer, the infertility. No matter you get punched in the face, you just get back up and, and, and you go again. I think some people say it's like a dog with a bone. You just, you just <laughs> get after it. And, uh, I, and nothing's really stopped me. Whilst, whilst I've had to change my direction a few times, I think the persistent, it, it all comes back to your love for what you're doing, making it fun, seeing it for what it really is. And again, it comes back to the people around you. And I've been able to meet so many people that are just, are just the epitome of just persistence. You see the, where they've come from and where they're going and where they're at. And, and you just, you know, I just find it fascinating. Persistence is so important. And John, I have one last question for you, and that is, mm. what is a time in your life that you can remember that you've laughed the most? <laughs> That's crazy. I think laughing has been a big factor. I, I think for me, God, wow, that is a great question. <laughs> I've always been happy, and I think laughing, I've got to say, with Laura and I, we, we make a habit of um, just being silly. <laughs> Just, just being silly and having a good laugh, I think that really, that really helps. But I love being around the children. I, actually, if I go back to, I was lucky enough to go to India and uh, I had a, a team over there at one of the youth events. And I remember one of the kids trying to tell a joke in um, English, but his English obviously wasn't that, wasn't that great. But, oh, man, it was just, and I can't recall the end of it, but I do remember the whole team just rolling around in laughter. And then, and then that laughter just turned into just, it was infectious. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that only just came to me then. I'm actually still in contact with that team, with a few members of that team. It's um, very cool indeed. But yeah, geez, he was trying to tell this, this English joke, but it didn't really, anyway, I started laughing and then they started laughing at me and then and it was just on for young and old. <laughs> I, I love that so much. And John, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for, we've rearranged this that many times, but it still happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, thank you for always having an incredible infectious grin, being out there for young, for old, for all in between, for making space for people that often don't have a space to be able to feel. Thank you for continuing to share with the world the ups and downs of life. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Um, jumped at the opportunity and, uh, yeah, completely grateful and appreciative of uh, what you're doing here. Thank you so much, John. Thanks, Kat. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Magic Moments Foundation.